This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Half Man-Made Wool, Half Polyester Fiber, Made by Different Men Sweaters. Now available in our honeymoon His and Her sets. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon, and I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Hello, Anonymous. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Brandon. Another week, another episode of Are You Being Served? So excited that we have this to keep us company during the quarantine, during COVID times. Yeah, we were just, uh, Jeff and I were just commiserating, like, so how's it going? And we're both like, uh, I think everyone, like everyone I speak to is like, I am tired of this. I'm ready to not be cooped up in my apartment, my house, whatever. But, you know. We'll get through it together, won't we? Yep, that's right. So if you do happen to leave your house, remember to wash your hands and wear a mask and make sure you're registered to vote. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Matter. There we go. So um, we've been having some really cracker, like really great episodes lately. The last one we did was German Week, where we got to practice our um, Deutsch. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Yeah, and we and we and I don't think anyone really chided us on our pronunciation. So I think we did a pretty good job faking our way through German. Well, I will. We do need to give a shout out to the other Jeff, super fan, other Jeff, um, who gave us some good pronunciation tips and stuff. And we didn't thank him in the last episode, so thank you, Jeff. And uh, but you're like a linguistic guru, so like you you probably know like the Hindi word for bus. I do not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any Hindi except for like Namaste. Um, okay. well. I, I don't because I because whenever I travel to India for work, I don't have to um, speak Hindi. With Suddenly, all those five locals. stars have been reduced to yeah, four. I thanks know. a lot, Jeff. Thanks uh, a lot. Right. No, it's uh, fine. Um, and thanks for all the five stars. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, we've, we've been have... having some interactions, haven't we? Yeah, uh, we've got a lot of new fans who are tuning in to listen to us. Thank you. So, Thank you to Will and Kristen and Michelle and Tom and Joni. You've We're all so done happy. very well. We're so happy you could join us on the podcast. Yeah. So we have an episode called Soldier to Soldier. Is this like a, the military takeover? A, a hostile such takeover? Such a tongue twister. I don't know why I had such a tough time saying <laughs> it last week. This is Shoulder to Shoulder. <laughs> Um, is... <laughs> last week so in case you didn't listen to German week which is probably I don't know one of our better episodes I just love that we speak German like Jeff and I could not say the words sol- shoulder shoulder <laughs> damn yeah so that's why we're like weird about that right now yeah. <laughs> um, take us back Jeff let's go back in the time machine what was happening when did this happen let's go back in time Yeah, so this episode premiered on April 10th, 1975, and that week in the news, uh, Beverly Sills, the opera singer, made her first appearance at the Met, the New York Metropolitan Opera. Hmm. Um, The National Association of Broadcasters voted to designate the first hour of weeknight network television, 
so that's 8 to 9 p.m. on the East Coast, as Family Viewing Hour, uh, which was supposed to start in that fall in the 1975 to 76 season. Uh, the policy was overturned in court in 1977. <laughs> oh, but my God. Network television still voluntarily does it. So, like, there's a reason why all, like, the cutesy, like, full house and, like, whatever shows are on, like, a certain time of right. the TV. Yeah. Huh. So, so the FCC in the United States does have an official watershed hour for over-the-air television starting at 10 p.m. So that's when you can get into your R-rated language and themes and things like that. Um, and say words UK- like ass. And say words like asshole. Thank <gasps> you, NYPD Blue. Um, Jeffrey. In the UK, it starts at 9 p.m. And in Australia, it starts at 8.30 p.m. So it varies from country to country. Why Australia is 8.30 and not later? What, why the kangaroos, the wallaby population? What is that? Well, I mean, keep the, in mind the that... The Kath and Kim phenomenon? <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind that um, our country is very puritanical in a lot of its roots, and so we get very offended by language and boobies. Well, I'm already offended at you saying the (laughs) a-hole word, Jeff. (laughs) Gracious. Um, And other countries don't get as quite offended as to that. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of of what they're... um, you know, what, what qualifies as adult content has to do more with, like, violence and overt sexual, like, contact rather than anything that's, like, slightly titillating. There's a really good movie. Speaking of, um, I love in the beginning of the episodes, we kind of just, like, well, I won't say we. It's me. Just ramble about whatever <laughs> comes to mind. Um, there's a really good movie called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. It's a uh-huh. documentary, and you might have seen it. It's, I think it was on Netflix, and it's about American film industry rating system and how basically, you know, what makes a, what makes a film PG-13 versus R versus NC-17 and, and all this stuff. And it goes into, like, how in the 50s, basically, it was, like, all of these very conservative groups saying, you know, if there's anything remotely about homosexuality... Um, you know, X. it's X-rated. You can't, it's like a porno, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a lovely, it could, it could have been like a love story between, between two women or whatever. But this movie talks about even how today there's like this secret shady group of people who meet behind closed doors. And it's like, what, seven people maybe? I don't remember how many. But like one is a priest and like the, no one really knows who these people are. And so there's a reason why in America, if it, there's anything remotely to do with like homosexuality, transgender, whatever, R rating. Yet you can have, like, people blowing each other's heads off with machetes or, or Gatling guns or whatever, and it's like, eh, PG-13. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it speaks a lot to American culture, I think. No. So, what um, else happened? What do, you, what do you think that um, Are You Being Served would be rated uh, if it was on television today? Oh, my God. Or if would it was it a be, film, right? Um, would it be TVMA? For oh, that's right, because they have... Because it's uh, different TV. ratings for TV than for movies, yeah. Probably. I don't know. I mean, the fact that it is so old kind of softens it a, a little bit. Like, they didn't know better, maybe, back then. Mm. But you don't, don't see any boobies, that. do you? Yeah, but you hear Mrs. Slocum talking about her pussy, so... Well, that's her cat. Meow. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so... 
this episode, uh, it starts off in uh, Mr. Rumble's office, and his secretary, Miss Thorpe, is trying to get Captain Peacock on the phone. Poor Mrs. Miss uh, Thorpe. In order to get him into the office. So there's a lot of back and forth about, is he on the phone? He hangs up. I don't want you in here. Whatever. Um, uh-huh, and yeah. so... Um, uh, Mr. Captain Peacock arrives and realizes that the phone call um, had been hung up on. And so he says, well, I see no reason why I shouldn't take an urgent phone call, Mr. Rumbold. It might have been for my wife, my mother, uh, as he gets distracted by Miss Thorpe because he doesn't want to give away the impression that he's married oh, in case he has man. any chances for a dalliance with Miss Thorpe man. Um, after 530. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Those jokes just, I'm like, yeah, we know he's a womanizer. Okay, ha ha. Boys will be boys. You know, that kind of whole thing. That's like what that perpetuates in a way. But yeah. I kind of wish Miss Thorpe would be, I kind of like it when people, like on TV shows, they think that someone is kind of duncey and like not very smart, but then turns out to be the smartest one. I wish she would have had like one line somewhere where she, she pulls a Marilyn Monroe and yeah, yeah exactly. And she's, she's actually like the smartest person there, but yeah. We don't really see that with her. Mm. Um, yeah, no, we don't see that at all, especially according to her filing system, which <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Dewey would have an awful t- uh, complaint about. Of the Dewey um, Decimal System, of course. Uh, she, she, Mr. Jeff Rumble has is a tattoo of letter. Dewey on his ankle. <laughs> he's, a, he's a devotee. That would be hysterical if I had like if I was an author and had my Dewey Decimal and it's, it's number. A, it's an image of him tattooed. holding a big book. With a whole bunch of numbers. I don't know. I, I have librarian friends. You don't want to mess with the librarian, let me tell you. No, you do not want to mess with librarians. Um, so Miss Thorpe is trying to look for um, a, a file about the decoration program. And it's filed under A because she files most things under A for A letter or A customer complaint. That makes sense to me. I mean, I don't see <laughs> what, what's so funny about that. Yeah. Um, so... Um, this customer comes up to the ladies' counter, and uh, I thought she looked a bit like Yardley Smith, the actor who voices Lisa Simpson. <gasps> anyway, uh, this customer is returning a wig uh, that she bought last week after one wash. She looks just dreadful in it. And Miss Silkman goes, oh, you're absolutely right. You know, why don't you take it off and I'll return it? This is my own hair. You know, we've got Mrs. Silkham inadvertently insulting the customer uh, as opposed to all those times where... She tells them to keep the hat brim down because it's awful better. That because way. it does not suit Madam. No. That woman had horrific hair, though. Like, that uh, must yeah, have been a wig. Te- that was not her real hair. No, or it was really teased out and, like, <laughs> heavily lacquered up in Madame Beryl's Continental Beauty salon. Oh, yes. Salon. Yeah. Um, over on the just gentleman's counter, uh, Mr. Humphreys is trying to take... Um, uh, uh, is trying to take measurements over the phone with the customer who wants to buy a suit but can't come in. And he gives a little aside to uh, Mr. Lucas. Oh, he, he's got a nice voice. Um, that is so, so an are you being servedism? My friend Jimmy and I, we say that all the time. Oh, he's got a nice voice. He's trying to make, take the measurements over the phone and the man doesn't know how to hold the tape measure uh, <laughs> to get his chest or get his sleeve. Uh, they finally get a reading and it's 48 inches from his hand to the floor. And Mr. Lucas is puzzled, you know, trying to measure where 40 inches. Like, <laughs> he's got to have his hand, like, held up way high on his hip like that. And so he starts to posture like um, Mr. Humphreys does a little bit in that little kind of, like, a little bit of a limp, way, yeah. mince, campy way. Yeah. 
And so Mr. Humphreys goes, well, I told you he had a nice voice. That is so cute. Insinuating that said customer might be a homosexual. Mm, but they never actually say it, do they? What's, what, if you think about the acting of that scene, it's hard to have a really convincing scene while you're on the phone because you literally have no one to play off of. Right. You, you know who was really good at that, and I want to thank Jeff, super fan Jeff White for bringing this up because I had thought of this as well. Is Bob Newhart? Oh, you think you're about, so right. If, yes. If absolutely. you think about the Newhart show, there was a lot of times we had a uh huh, uh huh, and yeah. you just give a look. You know, he was he was one of those <laughs> actors yeah. that could say a lot with just one minuscule facial expression. So if you're not a big Bob Newhart, because we, we may be showing our age just a bit. Um, so I remember the Bob Newhart show. It was on the TV when I was a kid. But Bob Newhart, to the newer kids, he's the he plays the dad on Elf. Um, you know the, no. the Christmas film. Oh, the Christmas film. Okay, I thought yeah. you meant Alf. The oh no, that's another <laughs> no. '80s show. But yeah, right. Elf with um, the guy from the show. What's his name? Will Ferrell. Yes, he plays the dad that Will Ferrell is the kid of, and he, yeah. Bill Bob, Bob um, Newhart's like this really classic. He's getting old now. He might be ninety something, maybe. But he's like a is classic he comedian. Still, is he still with us? I think he is. We shall call uh, upon the spirit of Bob Newhart. Bob, where are you? Bob Newhart also was Professor Proton on The Big Bang Theory. Ah, see, the, that's a show the, I don't watch, but there you yeah, go. The, no, the, he's uh, 90 years old. He's, 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 in, um, he's still with us. So hello, okay. Bob Newhart, if you're a listener. So Mr. Granger decides that Mr. Humphreys has been on the phone long enough and takes the phone away from him and tries to estimate the size based on the customer's height and weight. And it's so, so rude says, of him to do that. He just right? like, give me the phone. <laughs> um, so he says that the customer is 11 stone four, um, which is a really archaic way of measuring body weight. But for some yeah. reason, they still do it in the UK, you know, not just for boxing and wrestling matches, but also for everyday use. Like people still talk about their weight in stones. Yeah. When you go to um, the mall in Britain and they have like, like for like 20 pence, like uh, one of those great big, um, Stand scales. on scales. I was going to say weights. Yeah, but it's like in stone, and you're like, I don't know what this means. Yeah. So it's confusing. So a stone is 14 pounds. So the customer is 11 stone four. So he weighs 158 pounds. Okay, so you yeah. take 14, you take 11 times 14, and, and then, then you have like a four. fraction, and then the four. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, Mr. Granger is very confident about what size the uh, customer should get. He says, okay, mark the sale up to me, but he forgot to take down the customer's address. So no sale for Mr. Granger. Mr. Granger. Um, So rude. So Mr. Rumbold is on the floor trying to make this announcement. Captain Peacock is waving all um, of the ladies over, to which Mrs. Slocum says, I do not respond to waves. However, in a later episode, she will say that she also does not respond to any man's finger, which is quite She is so posh. I do not respond to waves. But then she says, um, what, what, what uh, Miss Brom says, well, you, what about that man in Ollie Day? And then she <laughs> says, well, that's different. He was waving from his yacht, which is cute. She does this a lot now that I say that because she will be very pomp, very pomp, not pompous, but like posh. I do not respond to any man's finger, Captain Peacock. And then she'll say something really like, northern and kind of like but that was from his yacht you know she'll change like registers that duality is cool yeah yeah that's cool that's a very funny so she's 
She's also admonishing Mr. Lucas for something and says something about his Ruta, which from context is like his head. But I have no idea what this means. Is this Cockney rhyming slang? Is it Polari? Like, what does Ruta mean? So unanimous listeners, if you know, please comment and tell us. Ruta. I think it's R-O-O-T-A. Uh, when, when he, so she, she says it to Captain Peacock, I think. And when I saw the episode today, I, for some reason I pictured a helicopter, like maybe a rotor, maybe is where my yeah. brain went instead of Ruta. Possibly. Like it's his head's in the clouds. But um, I looked into Polari, which is a really cool topic for that maybe we can talk at length in the future. Because it's, it brought, it's brought up a lot in the, uh, in the episodes. But Polari is kind of an um, amalgamation of like Italian and Romany um, language and like Latin and Yiddish. It's a really cool subject. And like the, the, uh, the homosexual men community... Uh, back in like the 40s and 50s and early 60s used it. So it's kind of a cool topic. But um, And you'll notice Mr. Mash will say words that aren't quite Cockney rhyming slang, which is also part of the language. Um, but it'd be kind of fun to poke into what that is. So if you know Polari, or if you know what the hell Ruta is, <laughs> um, call us on the Peacock hotline, 662-PEACOCK, and uh, let us know because we're curious about it. Yeah, I think we'll probably talk about it when we get to the episode of The Old Order Changes, because uh, Captain Peacock says, oh, right, right. you know, strides for the Omi with the Nafariah. So we'll decode that uh, maybe sometime Ooh, in October. Dang, Captain Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally learned the big news is that Mr. Grace is going to redecorate the floor, but he can only afford to redecorate one apartment. So he leaves it to the floor staff to decide which one. Which seems a little absurd to me that the decorators are coming tomorrow and they don't know which department is getting decorated and the floor staff gets to decide. I mean, they can't even decide when to take their own tea break. So, <laughs> But it makes a good episode. Yeah. So, there's so Mr. Humphreys votes that they see the decorator first before they decide which department gets it. Hey, I would do the same thing. I mean, maybe he's really dishy. Maybe he's... <laughs> You know, that's a know. great. That's a great adjective that we don't use. That, that dishy, often. dishy, dishy. You um, right. I stole that from um, the show. Uh, oh, oh, that dishy vicar. Oh, our hyacinth. Oh, uh, keeping up appearances. Keeping up with appearances. Yes, yeah. that's what our Rose always calls that vicar. Oh, that dishy vicar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Mr. Lucas is teasing Mrs. Slocum again, and, um, she takes the opportunity to remind him that there are many young men who would bend over backwards to get into Grace Brothers, uh, to which Mr. Humphrey quips, well, that's one of the qualifications. Hysterical. I think that (laughs) bend over backwards is a great trope that's used to describe, uh, gay men in terms of, um, just doing a little bit of euphemism, but it's funny, I think, any time that it comes up. Um, Especially with gymnasts. (laughs) Um, after they toss a coin and it rolls off the counter and then they toss another one Peacock like King Solomon decides that the ladies will get redecorated and so Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms are really looking forward to taking some time off but Captain Peacock reminds them that it's going to be without pay because the firm plans to temporarily reaccommodate them on the gentleman's counter oh boy and Mr. Granger is not happy about it Brandon, how does he react when Captain Peacock asks if he's willing to lend the lady some space on his counter? <laughs> he, uh, he acts so ungrangerly. Normally he's 
kind of acting like he's a little bit confused and like maybe like Arthur Brow forgets his line like to say it or something. But at one point, um, Captain Peacock says, uh, "What does he say?" He says, um, "You know, we're going to give this to the to the women's counter." And then uh, Mr. Granger walks up and says, "I refuse." And he kind of, he's almost like a little dog when they're howling at the moon or something. They kind of put their little snout up and go, ooh. Howls um, and jowls. His jowls howls are just, and jowls. Are just That's what they should have come back and forth. We should call this episode Howls and Jowls. So, like, Mr. P- Mr. Uh, Granger, he, I don't know, he turns into a little hound dog. <laughs> no, he turns into that, that, that Hanna-Barbera cartoon of the hound dog that's, hello, everyone. And he's Huckleberry got the Hound? Huckleberry is that, Hound. Is that Huckleberry Hound? That's right. Um, and so Captain Peacock doesn't take lightly to that and says, well, perhaps you'd like a few days with off, off without pay. <gasps> and we hear the air escape from Mr. Granger's lungs with the biggest gasp heard round the department. But he, he also, like, stumbles backwards. It's like, I, I wonder if they did another take and he was really, like, tired or something. So the, the guys, the, the people in front of the camera and behind the camera are like, all right, author... You have to really give it to it this time. Be twice as exciting. And he was like, I refuse. And then he, <gasps> he just seemed a bit plus that episode. <laughs> I, I agree. There was a little bit of overacting from Arthur Bra here. So, you know, good job. But on it was that. cute. But, but I also don't cute. think that there were ever any second takes on this show because there's so many flubs that are left in. Oh, you're uh, true. And in fact, my favorite flub of the entire series is later in this episode. Oh. But before we go... Did we talk about the bell? We did not talk about the bell. Okay. Well, we have some very exciting, important news. Are you ready? Unanimous. Jeff, are you ready? I can't hardly wait. Goddard, hold on to his chair. <laughs> Extra firm. Uh, <laughs> if you're on our Facebook page, which uh, it's a kind of a fun page. A lot of people interact with it. So it's uh, Facebook. Go and find it. Uh, this does suit Madam. It's real easy. Um, got a lot of cool comments and stuff. So we have a bell. That's the bell saying hello. Hello. Um, we don't know what to call it. So we put a little poll together. One of them, one of the options is the best option. It's so cute, so great, so clever even, you might want to say. Whoever thought of this is probably a really smart person. One of the options was La Bette. And that's because Belle and, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and its original French, is La Belle et la Bette. So I have a bell. What are we going to call it? La bet. How clever. And the other option was um, Gladys. And Gladys won. Congratulations, Congratulations to the hundreds Gladys. Who, Welcome, who voted Gladys. for Gladys. And I voted for La bet. But that's fine. It's democracy. So this is named Gladys the Bell. Gladys. So aren't you all, don't you, won't you all sleep better knowing the bell's name now? I will. We'll find out tonight. Why don't we um, head on down <laughs> to the canteen for a tea break and we can commiserate over Labette's loss with um, some bangers and mash. Yes, I just need some more caffeine. I'm sure that's all I need. Um, I heard that the bangers and mash are cracking today. So let's zip on down to the canteen and we'll be right back. Ba-bum, 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 
Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So we're back from the canteen. Uh, we had the bangers and mash. Pretty good. I had all uh, mash and no bangers, which is typical for me. <laughs> um, What'd you have? You know, I, I had asked that cow of a manageress for um, tea cakes with the cherry on top for my pudding, and she wouldn't serve it to me. <laughs> um, but speaking of that cow of a manageress, Arr. we actually get to meet her in next week's episode. Unfortunately for us. Common as milk, I tell you. So um, we get back on the floor. It's the next day, and the drop cloths are up, and the workmen are working away. You hear machinery. Mm, yeah. So Mr. Mash is what taking him out their tea, and I think the people, I think the the staff is like jealous that if you're in the bargain basement, you get tea served to them, right? I mean, it's so early in the morning. Well, it's not really that early for them, right? Because they started at seven, so they get their elevens is at nine because it's two hours after they started. Oh, that's confusing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so the ladies ask if the, if the decorators are going to stop at three. And Mash says, no, they'll work till five until they get the overtime, of course. Oh, and right? that's what you get. That, and, the, and they said something, we never get overtime. And then he says, well, that's the price for being middle class, isn't it? <laughs> I love how him and Mr. Ma- Mr. Harmon and everyone's like throwing money around all the time because they always get overtime. I wish I yeah. could work at Grace Brothers. Shit. So the second that mash stops behind the drop cloth with the tea, the sounds stop immediately. It is so like, cute. <laughs> like everyone put pencils down, time the to The second they see break. the tea, everything stops. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Enter ladies, Mr. Granger. The ladies rush over to start setting up their half of the counter. And Mr. Granger is very upset because Mrs. Slocum is taking down his wife runs. And he shouts it across the whole, the whole floor. Yeah. She's taking down my wife runs. Yeah, and he responds back to uh, Mrs. Slocum, I demand that you take down your underwear immediately. To which Lucas says, that goes for Miss Brahms as well. Oh, Mr. Because we got that idea of take down to pull down or Lucas. to remove from the thing. Right. Uh, Mr. Slocum complains to Captain Peacock that Mr. Granger is being most obstropulous. Another one of her great malaprops here. Um, (laughs) And the word is actually obstreperous, which means to be stubborn and unruly. Captain Peacock is trying to negotiate with um, Mr. Granger on Mrs. Slocum's behalf. And he says that it'll be the thin end of the wedge, which I had never heard heard of this thing before either. Yeah. Right, so it's um, a trivial matter that if it's allowed, it would lead to something bigger. 
Uh, I think here in the States, we say, give them an inch and they'll take a mile. But I guess give them a centimeter and they'll take a kilometer. It doesn't really roll doesn't off the roll tongue off the as tongue. well. Thin end yeah. of a wedge. I guess if you have the a wedge and you have the little pointy bit and then it expands yeah. to something bigger on the other side of it. But it's, you know, it's just a phrase we don't have. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, finally, Mr. Granger acquiesces and just agrees to give one foot of counter space over one to the foot. ladies. <laughs> and um, they immediately start clearing out that exact one foot. And they make their way over to Mr. Granger's private drawer that has a lot of personal things in it. Oh, no. So why wasn't it locked if it was so personal? Um, Mrs. Slocum just empties it out right on the counter, and they've sees, uh, they see that it, there's an old piece of pork pie, some false teeth, a trush, His and, an old, and an old rations book in there. And uh, Ms. Brown's is very excited. Oh, let's see it. Leave my truss alone. I was talking about the old rations book. Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny that um, the idea of it not being locked, it took me back to when I, I lived in the UK briefly. And maybe, Jeff, you've heard something other than this, but the way I understood it, my friends told me in Brit- British houses, in English houses, and I don't know about Scotland or Wales, um, or Northern Ireland for that matter, but bedrooms in homes... Or apartments do not have locks on them. Huh. And um, I, as I said, you know, in the States, like, as a young man, you wanted privacy, you could, like, lock your door. And like, you, you would knock, but then you'd have to unlock it. Or maybe you're, you, you were a parent and you had kids and you and the missus or the hubby wanted to have a little fun in the bedroom or whatever. But I don't know, like over there, it seems like that's just not something you, it was very weird for them to say, well, why would you have a lock in your house? It's your house. Have you ever heard that? I'm trying to recall any houses, any private houses that I've stayed in, in the UK. And I I don't recall there being a lock on the bedroom door in them. The idea Um, that maybe a private drawer wouldn't have a lock because it's sort of like, that's true. He's a senior person and no one would dare do it. I don't know. Right? Yeah, but if you also think about the way that English houses are set up, their lounge or their living room usually has a door on it coming off of, like, the hallway, whereas that would be very unusual in the States. Well, I think it's more of, like, a heating thing because, you know, the small houses and stuff. But, yeah, who knows? True. Anyone? Hmm. Anyway, the ladies realize that they don't have any spare busts, any spare uh, mannequin heads. Uh, and so Miss Brahms goes back behind the drop cloth to the old lady's apartment to get them. We hear wolf whistles, and she comes out with handprints on her behind because Ugh. she's been goosed by um, the young-looking one, what looks like Tom Jones. <laughs> what looks uh, like Tom Jones. I love the way they say that. Uh, Mrs. Slocum gets all excited, thinking you know there's an opportunity for someone to get a quick feel. So she tries and goes back, and there are no wolf, wolf whistles inside. The workmen all groan. <laughs> and, Mrs. Uh, Slocum. She, she did end up getting goose, but it wasn't by the one that looks like Tom Jones. It was the one that looks like Staddle first. Steptoe is what she says. Oh, Steptoe is like a TV show that was really popular in the mid seventies. I don't really know much about it, but mm. yeah, Steptoe. So anyway, uh, a little bit later on, Peacock ends up having to go back behind the latest counter as well, and he gets goosed by the one that looks like Larry Grayson. <laughs> 
Um, I love that it's Captain Peacock this time and not it would have been it would have been predictable for it to have been Mr. Humphreys. But exactly. Captain Peacock is so much cooler, I think. Yeah. So Larry Grayson was a very camp personality on English television in the 70s. He was a host of a, a show called The Generation Game. And one of his catchphrases was, what a gay day. Uh, mm. Meaning, of course, like lively and spirited, but I'm sure there was a little undertone there uh, because he was super, super camp. Yeah. So one of the cool things, um, the Kenneth Williams story, and I forgot the name of the film. I was chatting with one of the... Um, one of the unanimous listeners about it on Facebook. Um, the Kenneth Williams story, uh, it's, it's a really great biography film all about the life of Kenneth Williams. And I want to call it Phantasmagora, which is another one of those Polari words, which just means incredible. And yep. um, Kenneth Williams was using Polari a lot in BBC radio plays in like the mid to late 60s. And so um, anyway, so in that film... He actually references John Inman because in his career, Kenneth Williams kind of like was kind of a, a stage and screen actor well-known in England. And um, he kind of semi-retired and his, it's interesting because his manager was saying, listen, you know, you've got this camp character that you play that everyone loves. You're not doing it. And now John Inman is on that, sh- that show about the shop and he's doing your character. So it's interesting that they reference Mr. Humphreys on the sh- on all you're being served in this, this thing. But John Inman, Kenneth Williams, Larry Grayson, they were all sort of known in the like the late sixties, mid seventies in Britain as sort of being almost like Paul Lind was in the seventies in the States. Yep. He was gay and really campy and kind of talked like this, but no, never said he was gay. Never confirmed it. It was always, I just haven't met the girl I like the most yet, I suppose, you know. In fact, when I, yeah. last, last thought, when I was, uh, I'm rambling, when I was in the John Inman fan club, as a 12-year-old gay boy in Arkansas, um, even at that age in the 90s, people were still asking him in the fan club, Mr. Inman, have you ever gotten married yet? And he would even then answer, I still haven't met the right woman, which is true. He had a husband. <laughs> he had him, right. <laughs> so anyway, it was interesting that, like, Larry Grayson was referenced in, you know, it's almost John Inman's competition uh, on TV in Britain back then. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So back at the store, the ladies are still trying to make do with uh, what they have on the gentleman's counter. And so they've got a man's mannequin, and they're trying to put a bra on it. But the mannequin doesn't have a chest at all. And so they're trying to figure out if there are any falsies around anything they could stuff the um, the bra with. So they ask Mr. Humphreys for a pair of socks, not strumps, just regular old English Yeah, we're, we're back socks. to English again. <laughs> and they, they say, you know, we're, we're trying to um, fill the bra. He goes, oh, I've got just the thing. And he pulls out a pair of falsies. Like, he pulls out a pair of chicken cutlets. <laughs> um, and he, he uses them as knee pads while he's polishing the parquet floor, which I thought was hysterical. I mean, that's the what I used of, with when I polish mine. Yeah. It's interesting you call um, it we, chicken cutlets. That, that's well. That's what they look like. Do people call them that though? People call them chicken, chicken cutlets. cutlets. Mm. Yeah. Waiter, cancel my chicken. <laughs> um, over on the floor, we see a customer fi- uh, finally make uh, their way to the store, and there's a couple who's making out on the floor looking for sweaters. Um, it turns out that they're a honeymooning couple, and so um, the woman we've actually seen before. 
Um, she was in uh, a diamonds or a man's best friend. Is episode. She, the, she played the, the wealthy lady. customer. Oh, she's the yeah, rich okay. lady who lost her diamonds, right? And then she's also um, going to be in an upcoming episode called No Sale, where she's wait late for a wedding and needs a hat yes, and yes, ends yes. up trying all of them. And I Hurry, believe wedding that, late already. That woman, right? Right. She's got that oh, cool. very distinctive Manx accent, which is how I picked her up. And I believe, does she get told that does suit Madam when she's trying on all four of the hats? That's the it. That's the, that's exciting. Yeah. So we'll have to have like a countdown or something to when yeah. the namesake episode uh, is, yeah. is reviewed. So uh, that customer is played by Hillary Pritchard. And we'll see her again in a couple of episodes. Um, and the husband, I had notes and no longer have any idea who the husband is, but... Uh, super fan Jeff Y wrote in about him as well. Uh, apparently, he's been on some other shows. I didn't see uh, any other Lloyd and Croft shows that he had been in. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm curious. Um, though, so, what is a Manx accent? Is that just like posh, like regional area of London or something? Well, no, from the Isle of Man part of oh, the UK. Oh, Manx. Interesting. I didn't know that was yeah. the name. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So um, they're. They both want a sweater, but they can only afford one. And since the ladies in the gentleman's counter are on the same side, they're um, Mr. Granger and Mrs. Slocum are fighting it out for the sale. Like she's literally climbing <laughs> over the counter to like get a word in edgewise with the honeymoon couple. And they do a little bit of an O. Henry thing, like you know who who should we um, buy it for? And then the husband is wistfully looking off into the air, speaking to no one. Shall I or shan't I? Shouldn't I or shouldn't I? In which uh, Humphreys chimes in, is he or isn't he? It's so cute. That, hysterical. that whole, um, we've, we've only just been out. <laughs> you know, like that. I can, I can believe I it. I can believe it. Um, <laughs> it's so cute. Um, I really like those two characters. And he's just so sweet, isn't he? Like the guy, he's just like a sweet little guy. And like he's got a wife and he loves her. And I really liked it. I think the actor needs lessons on how to butch it up a little bit. He was almost unbelievable as a honeymooning man. Well, I kind of thought the same thing, but that's why I'm like, oh, he's so <laughs> nice. He's so cute. Yeah. So. so we cut down to the canteen, and Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms are uncharacteristically eating their dinner, uh, or their lunch, excuse me, on their own. You obviously uh, lived in a semi-detached house. We don't know where the gentlemen are. Uh, well, it turns out that they had to look for... Um, Mr. Granger's glasses, which were lost because Mrs. Slocum stuck them in her purse. So they are um, at full so, out war, the gentlemen and ladies, right. basically. Yeah. So um, they're scheming on how to get back at Granger uh, for not lending Mrs. Slocum a pencil. And we see one of those flubs we talked about before where um, oh, yeah. Molly Sugden starts laughing before uh, the, the scene uh, cuts out over to um, the gentleman's arrival, right? Um, so they, uh, they asked, uh, Mrs. Slocum asked for, uh, someone to pass the sauce or the ketchup down to her end, but the gentleman grab it. Granger can't get any out. Slocum ends up taking a bottle from another and pours the entire, um, bottle on her plate. So a little bit of physical comedy in the canteen there. Ha ha ha. And, <laughs> and they're, they're talking, the men gentlemen are talking about themselves and like how, um, uh, how the women are acting and they say that the women have gotten rather uppity since Thatcher got in. Uh, and so I think that this is a very timely word to discuss because I had always understood the word uppity to mean persnickety, 
Um, but that's not what it means. It that really just makes means me want to self- have a Snickers. I don't really. <laughs> it means um, self-important and arrogant, like you're exceeding one station. That's everyone you think very in the shop, of yourself. right? <laughs> but the word has historically been used to describe black people who are acting, quote unquote, out of their place. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been typically uh, told of, like, when we think about, you know, the, the 19th century, when the house slave thinks that she is better than the field slave because she's inside. Um, mm. And so that's, that's a really um, dangerous word to be using in current times because of the connotations it has on this side of the pond. And so um, just be aware of that because I only recently learned uh, through a different context what uh, it truly meant. Well, I never knew the context of that, so that's good to know. So uh, the men on the floor decide to offer an olive branch, well, maybe just a twig, to the women, (laughs) and uh, pass over the sugar bowl. Uh, Meanwhile, Mr. Granger offers to stir Mrs. Slocum's coffee with a joke pencil. She does it and does the worst spit take in the history of television. You know what it was? She didn't want to get it all over her, her executive frills. (laughs) <laughs> I think because, you know, like as you said before, one episode where they will film it and edit it the same day and it's on the air like later that night. Like or two days later. Or two days yeah. later. Super, super fast. So they probably didn't you, – you'll actually notice a lot of times where they will be almost dashing to the next scene because I, I don't know like how to make a TV show. But like it seems like they were – they had to do it really quickly. Yeah, you know. and so there's there's no time for a se- there's no second takes here, right? And so she does she ends up doing a dribble take. <laughs> yeah, right? and it, uh, it's so cute because if you watch it, this is one of my favorite scenes in this in the whole series because you get to see how much fun they're actually having when they're filming this show. Molly Sugden is got coffee in her mouth and she's supposed to spit it out, but she doesn't because she doesn't want to get her outfit dirty. Cause I think they go to the right immediately to the next scene. And something tells me that it was so low, low budget that they don't have like racks and racks and racks and racks of, nope. of costumes. And of course, you know, she's in her wig and she's got all, so she does a very bad, like she tries to spit it, but not in a way that would get on anything. But she realizes she kind of screws it up. And just before the camera fades to black, you can see, if you go back and watch it, you can see the corners of her mouth just about open up to a great big funny smile. Like, she's, she can't help it. Every now and then, it's almost like when you watch SNL and it's funny when people on the show, like, start laughing. When they break. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so cute because you, you can tell how much fun they're having when they're, they're filming it. So Yeah. I mean, I, I thought... I think that that's a really good interpretation that, you know, she, maybe she didn't want to get her costume dirty. Um, I just thought that it wasn't popular yet and she just didn't know how to imitate it. But it turns out. Oh, interesting. So I had always thought that um, Danny Thomas was the one who um, originated the spit take because I think that's what he's most famous for. Like, that's what he is associated Who's with. Danny Thomas? I don't know that name. Um, make Room for Daddy. I don't know that one either. I need to get out more, Com- Jeff. <laughs> Com- comedian, comedian from the 50s and early 60s. Um, oh, okay. Right. But uh, it was actually done a year earlier than Danny Thomas did it um, by Ricky Ricardo on I Love Lucy. He oh, spit take. I've yeah. heard of him. <laughs> so um, back on the floor, the decorators are just finishing up. They're getting ready to show the new lady's apartment to young Mr. Grace. 
and we see all the decorators and the workmen leave one by one. The last one swishes out with his hand on his hip, glares at Peacock, and minces away. I think this is a rare example of a mid-episode callback that we've got and already being served, right? Because usually they, like, if they have a joke, it's, like, one right after the other. Yeah. But... Yeah, the, the setup here was you you had know, to wait several for scenes ago. You had to wait for it. Yeah. Um, and the actor who plays the swishy decorator actually does look a little bit like Paul Grayson, which, you know, good job casting department. Could it have been Gra- him, Grayson? Wouldn't I that don't be think crazy so. I feel, I, if that was him? I feel like he would have come up at least as uncredited in the credits if it was really him. Interesting. Or he maybe he would have gotten a little bit bigger of an applause break because the audience would have realized that it really was the real Paul Yeah, because he would have been a big deal, actually, if yeah. he was on the show. Yeah. But it was cute. I like that he wore, like, a little pink scarf under his workman's outfit. A little, little ascot, of yeah. So, um, young Mr. Grace tries to pull the cord to draw the curtains, and the cord comes down, but the curtains don't. So, <laughs> Mr. Mass draws back the sheets, and the department looks exactly the same as it was before. It's a what the hell have they been? What the hell have they been doing for the past week, right? Yeah. Well, um, Mr. Humphrey says, well, thanks, heavens, it's over, and we're just men again. And he gives a little smirk to break the fourth wall there. Love it. Um, Mr. Grace reveals that it didn't cost as much as they thought it would, so they're going to start the men's department next week. And then everyone starts rushing around, frantically setting up the counters to claim their space over on the ladies' side. So the whole and thing happens that, again. And that is the end of the episode. And it's a kind of a deus ex machina, which is a thousand dollar word there again because Mr. Grace comes out and he's like we're gonna do it again I mean I guess it's maybe not deus ex machina he doesn't like never mind he doesn't solve any problems yeah Uh, he actually like restarts new problems (laughs) which he often does but yeah I have to say after coming back from German week and Jeff and I were so excited for German week and like we got to like practice our German and um, I don't know this episode was cute but it wasn't like I don't know. After three Kraken episodes, now it's, I don't know. It's 80%, 75%. The season's wrapping up. You know, we've got two more episodes to go in this season. Um, next week, we, um, we see New Look, which is where the suggestion box results in background music, and they all compete to who gets to do the voiceover. That'll be fun. And then, and then right after that is Christmas Crackers, which is the first Christmas special where we actually get to meet that cow of a manageress. Well, we're getting on through it. I mean, we're almost done with season three, which is crazy. Yeah, I can't believe we've gone through this. Um, We've had, what, 16, 17 episodes or so? Something like that. Yeah, it's it's been really fun. So, listen, just as the next episode, uh, New Look, they get a suggestion box... Um, as you can tell, whenever we get contacted by one of our unanimous uh, listener fans, squirrel friends, um, to, to borrow <laughs> a term, um, we'd love to hear what you folks uh, like about the show, don't like about the show. We've, we've had a couple people who are like, I don't like this about your show, and we've, we've discussed it. Um, and, you know, if, in terms of the suggestion box, if you have an idea of what a cool topic would be, Jeff and I are completely open to, like, if that would be an interesting topic, because... We really enjoy recording the show. Um, so if there's a topic you would like us to, to, to dive into, let us know at the Peacock hotline. Uh, that's 662-PEACOCK, 662-732-2625. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And our, ha- our um, 
what is it called? Your call sign on Twitter? What is it? The hash? Handle? Handle. Handle. The handle for Twitter is does suit madam. And I don't have to tell you that's with an E. Um, email is that does suit madam with an E. I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> At gmail.com. And uh, so we'd love to hear from you. So I think that wraps up another episode of it, doesn't it? That's all, folks. You've all done very well. You've all done very well. We always forget that. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you uh, next time at The New Look. Thanks, Unanimous. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Ask your doctor or pharmacist.